Welcome to the Commune Podcast. This is Jeff Krasno. Happy New Year to everyone. Now, personally, I had planned on a relatively sedentary end to 2020, as if there was any other option. But despite my best laid plans to ease gracefully into the new year, destiny had other ideas. Many of you may receive my weekly Sunday Commusing article, where I address a breadth of issues from the spiritual to the sociopolitical. And on occasion, I will record an audio version of these articles and release it as a bonus episode. So today's recitation is about how my year ended with a bang, quite literally. If you are interested in receiving my weekly article, sign up at onecommune.com. And if you're not totally sick of me, you can follow me on Instagram at Jeff Krasno. So without further ado, here's this week's commusing entitled Win Lightning strikes. A hot white light encased me as a crystal vase shattered inside my head. Gone as fast as it came, this vivid encounter completely enveloped my entire being. Last Sunday night, I lay in bed in the melancholic glow of Christmas, knackered and bloated from holiday revelry. I was pondering the content of this very episode, mulling over resolutions both personal and general, and their relationship to human potential. I was mentally dusting off my Maslow and his hierarchy of needs as rain began pattering like mice feet on the rooftop. Candidly, I felt a bit fallow, my ideas harvested, milled, baked, sliced, and served up. My mind cast about for droplets of inspiration to sponge up. The drizzle had become a downpour. It hadn't rained but a spit since April in Los Angeles. Now the heavens opened up, God's pent-up grief undammed in the waning verses of a most epic, if tragic, year. In the hot, dry climes of California, the first rains are an occasion for rejoicing. For years now, fire season has been merciless. This celebration, as you will hear, was premature. Thunder echoed sonorously through the canyon. As a kid, I remember counting between the flashes of lightning and the ensuing rumblings, five seconds for every mile. These lapses registered about a four, and then a two, and then... In a flick of a switch, Thor unleashed his fury and the world literally exploded around me. A massive bolt of lightning slapped our house with such intensity that it eclipsed all other discernible phenomena. It jolted us from bed. I patted myself down to make sure I was actually still corporally there. The kids, wide-eyed and shocked, burst down the stairs. It was undoubtedly the most intense sensory experience I ever had, the present moment in hyperbolized relief. As the initial astonishment subsided, we huddled together in edgy laughter, and then the fire alarms began to sound. Almost indiscernible, serpentine streams of smoke slithered into the house. Skylar and I corralled the children into the dry safety of the car and returned back inside. There were no obvious flames. We rummaged through the rooms, trying to identify the elusive source. 
The smoke thickened into a toxic haze that was acrid on the tongue. I darted into my closet and tossed my essentials into a backpack. I'd never really considered what I'd jam into a small pack if that's all I had. Wallet, car keys, passport, cash, wedding ring, laptop. The watch my dad gave me for graduating college. A sundry amalgam of my identity. We scurried down the steps back toward the car, and as we descended, the thought struck me like, well, the crawl space under the house. We crowbarred the small door open with our fingers and flames burst forth. To our great fortune, there was an impeccably positioned garden hose nearby. Skyler grasped the nozzle and I ran to the spigot. In a few minutes, the fire was doused. No sooner had we extinguished the fire than four massive engines from the Los Angeles Fire Department barreled up the street, sirens blaring. The gladiators disembarked, laden with axes and fire hooks, and finished the job. And then the firemen left, and there we were. Skyler, Phoebe, Lolly, Micah, and me. 2 a.m., sopping wet from rain, but without water. Adrenalized by a gigajoule of electricity, yet without a working lamp. The twisted irony of fucking 2020. A year when even the rain brings fire. I posted a little video on the affair. Honestly, I didn't think much of it. But the next morning, I was humbled to read hundreds of beautiful comments from well-wishers, friends I hadn't heard from in years expressing relief that the family was safe. In particular, I noticed a few supportive comments from people with whom I have vociferously quarreled on social media. My online squabbles, like most people's, tend to be political in nature. I always make best efforts not to be disagreeable in my disagreement. There's one fellow, let's call him Red Pill Frank, who is constantly posting memes about the Kraken, Biden's pedophilia, how COVID is a hoax, and on. He's particularly harsh on immigrants and was obsessed with the Soros-funded caravan. I attempt to gently remind him that unless he is Native American or his family was brought to this country against their will, then he also shares an immigrant story. I get nowhere, and oftentimes it devolves. But there he is, in my comments, sending me best wishes, somehow lured outside the invective by the story of our misfortune, Frank found compassion. Many people throughout history have considered lightning a divine and mystical event. I hate to discredit this myth, but in reality, it resembles more of a fire in the cellar. There have been no celestial seraphim sightings. Instead, a multitude of pot-bellied, balding, middle-aged men with clipboards are parading onto our property, muttering things about the structural integrity of our house. I suppose Maslow will have to wait. It's challenging for a man to self-actualize without running water, but it's not impossible to learn something. In the deluge of contractors flooding my new year, I met Manuel. He's the young Oaxacan apprentice to our electrician, Juan. As Juan surveyed the fondue of wiring under the house, I made spanglish small talk with Manuel. Evidently, when he came to America three years ago, he left behind his wife and young daughter, Ana, in Santa Catarina. He hasn't seen them in the flesh since. When I asked, he produced a photo of Ana, not a digital phantom on a screen, but a little two-by-two rough-edged snapshot that snuggled in his wallet. She's learning English, he told me. 
Manuel lives in Juan's garage, somewhere near Commerce, to the east of downtown. The dubious structural integrity of my house in the canyon suddenly seemed less grave. The polarized bickering between left and right on many topics, including immigration, is rarely a profitable project. The left indignantly refers to a statue in a harbor that brandishes an Emma Lazarus poem. It wields accusations of xenophobia. In turn, the right rails against the anarchic tendencies of the left, stereotyping immigrants as criminals, undermining our way of life, and pilfering our jobs. This tete-a-tete ends inevitably in a cul-de-sac. I wonder if we might find the brave space behind the invidious barbs to ask this question. What are the ground conditions that exist that would compel Manuel to leave his country, his beloved family, his identity, for a strange land with an unknown language that likely doesn't want him? I want to ask him this, but I have not the words. The voltage struck the roof, assumedly the lightning rod, and traveled down through the wiring and copper pipes of the house, seeking ground. In its quest, it blew the valves off the irrigation piping, creating a series of non-decorative garden fountains shooting streams of water to and fro. This is proving to be quite a difficult project to repair. Sergio, bless his heart, is grappling with a plumber's version of whack-a-mole in the dark with a headlamp, just so my family can have water again. He is a portrait of diligence. In gratitude, Skyler brings him tea. After a laborious day of insurance claims and associated red tape, I thought of my political sniping partner, Frank. He's got a daughter, one that he sees every day. Maybe instead of sparring with him about immigration, I'll just relay the story of Manuel to him, not with the purpose of shaming him, but in the hopes that we may discover a shared humanity. This may point our dialogue toward solutions and away from rancor. If we can warm our hearts in each other's human stories instead of codifying our positions like ice cubes in a tray, then perhaps we can melt into each other. By asking the question behind the argument, perhaps we can address the disease behind the symptoms. Stories can be a lightning rod for connection. In each other's stories, we glimpse a bit of our own. And in our shared fears of the uncertain, in our common joys, loves, and worries, we are a bit less alone. You may be familiar with the old supernatural Hollywood motif. An otherwise normal protagonist gets struck by lightning and develops superpowers. I've received dozens of inquiries into the nature of my newly acquired capacities. I hate to disappoint but I remain unable to generate electrical energy and project it as concentrated bolts from my hands. But perhaps I can project a healing energy in the form of stories from my pen. My superpower, and yours too, may be storytelling. And as I peer into a new year with its requisite resolutions, I'm reminded that I don't need to manifest anything into my life. I simply need to manifest who I already am, a teller of tales. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to share your thoughts with me, I'm here at Jeff K at one commune.
www.ghostbusters.com.